you allow him to turn the corner, mama, there goes that man. Puts up the shot. It's good. Kyrie Irving. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like NBA basketball. Oh, boy. Welcome, everyone, to the First Pick Podcast, your source for NBA news-related content. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everyone, to the First Pick Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Today, we have another team review. And as I said, we've been going in alphabetical order. Today is going to be about the Dallas Mavericks. Now, the Dallas Mavericks are an interesting team. But before we get into that, please make sure to follow the socials, Instagram, X, now it's considered, but I'm going to still call it Twitter for now. Slowly transitioning to the new name. X and TikTok. Please follow us on those three platforms. Make sure to listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and YouTube for audio recordings of this podcast. And also make sure to check out the past episodes. Just because you're not listening to the newest one doesn't mean you can go back and check our latest episodes. We've been doing these team reviews for the past couple weeks. It's been going pretty good. You guys seem to enjoy them on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts and stuff. So thank you guys so much for streaming it. Share it with a friend. Give us a five-star rating. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Without further ado, let's get to this team review now. The Dallas Mavericks are such an interesting team. You know, they have two stars. They went into the offseason with a bunch of questions, but I think they answered them tremendously. They finished the year 38-44 and 44 last year. They kind of lost the last two games intentionally, and it was pretty obvious. Mark Cuban got hit with a fine from the NBA for losing games on purpose. But the great man Mark Cuban is, he ended up matching that fine and donating it to charity so great look on his end really really nice job now i do think though the dallas mavericks had a lot of questions as i just said but i do think that they answered them really really good let's go over you know their transactions what they did so for those of you who didn't know the position that dallas was in last year was the pick that was involved in the christoph sportingus chair that was done a couple years ago essentially was in play for the knicks and if Dallas made the plan, but they were 11th in the you know lottery, there was a high chance that that pick went to the Knicks and Dallas would be left with nothing. What Dallas decided to end up doing was lose both games and essentially secure their spot in a top 10 pick because the pick was top 10 protected. They decided to stay in the 10th spot. And with that, they really did good. Now, talk about capitalizing you know, your opportunity. They had the 10th pick on draft night. They had a chance to draft a really, really good prospect. Guys like Derek Lively were on the board. Kaysen Wallace. Grady Dick was on the board. Cam Whitmore was surprisingly still on the board, who I think would have been a tremendous get for Dallas as well. But they ended up doing something really, really good. They traded their 10th pick a couple spots back to 12 for essentially the Oklahoma taking on Davis Pertans. And giving them the 12th pick in exchange, Oklahoma went up two spots and got the 10th pick, which they got Kaysen Wallace. And the Dallas Mavericks generated essentially a player exception. Now, a player trade exception is essentially when a team outright trades a contract and is not getting a contract in return. They generate this exception where they can send out this exception to any other team that's looking at dumb salary and they just have to send like a second round pick or something. So they ended up doing that and they drafted Derek Lively the second I think that was a guy that they probably could have taken at 10 as well. But, you know, they saved money on his rookie contract, get him at 12. And they ended up also getting another pick, which we're going to talk about later. They ended up with the 10th pick and they ended up with two picks plus another player in this draft, which I think that's tremendous management from their general manager, from Nico Harrison. Just really, really good moves from him. So, as I mentioned, they got Derek Lively and they got 
an exception. They used that exception, called up Sacramento, asked Sacramento, hey, do you want to get a contract off your hands? Sacramento said, yeah, sure. They gave him Richwan Holmes and their draft pick. And essentially that draft pick ended up being Olivier Maxence Prosper, a guy that I had going top 20. He fell just outside the top 20, I think around the 20 to 25 range. He was around there, but really, really good player. Coming into the draft, he was someone that had really good potential. He had endless defensive potential guarding one through five. He's extremely lengthy. He has a potential to shoot the three ball really, really good. And he's a young guy who him and Derek Lively will be on Dallas for the next four years. So tremendous start to the offseason. Oh, and did I forget? They also got Richwan Holmes, who just a couple seasons ago averaged 15 or 16 points per game with around eight to nine rebounds and a couple blocks. That's really, really good for Dallas to buy low on a guy who was rotting in the bench of Sacramento, was not getting any PT, but can have a real chance of becoming a starter. I'm going to get into their rotations a bit later, but I do think Richwan Holmes, Derek Lively, and Olivia Maxence Prosper are just players that you feel really, really good coming out of draft night with when you just had the 10th overall pick. You ended up with three guys who can contribute day one, guys that can realistically be in your roster, play hard defense, and really, really get the team you know going on the defensive end, which is something I feel like they wanted answered in the offseason. When you have guys like Luke and Kyrie who are predominantly ball-dominant players, you just want to find pieces that fit around them. They play defense, and they shoot the three-ball good. Obviously, Derek Lively, we don't know if that three-ball is real. He was shooting them a lot in his pre-drive workout, so we hope that's real. But a guy like Richon Holmes doesn't really shoot three-pointers, and Olivia Maxens Prosper is someone that we don't really know if his three-point shot is real or is it really going to translate to the league. But even then, just guys that are young, mobile, can defend. I really, really like this. Derek Lively is someone that I mentioned in my mock drafts was really, really linked to like JaVale McGee and his play style. And the fact that JaVale McGee is there, we're going to get to JaVale McGee and, you know, how long is he going to stay in Dallas? But a guy that kind of, you know, was a championship starting center for the teams like the Warriors. He was helping Phoenix, the Lakers. He was their starting center for most of that postseason and the regular season. I think that's a pretty good career. And I think if Derek Levy can somewhat duplicate that, add a bit more offense to his bag, he's going to have a really, really nice pan out for Dallas. And then, you know, Rich Juan Holmes, I already talked about him. Great get for them. Next, they did a sign and trade with the Boston Celtics for Grant Williams. They gave him a massive four-year contract. I do think Grant Williams slides into that power forward spot. I'm going to get into their starting lineup and their bench and all that and where these guys fit. But Grant Williams, I will be inserting into that starting lineup at the four spot. He's kind of, you know, an enforcer. He has a lot of energy to him. He kind of just does what he feels is right for the team. He's a team first guy. He'll guard the best player on the other team. Will he probably get cooked? Maybe. But, you know, you still need a guy who has that dog in him, a guy that's not scared to, you know, get embarrassed, the guy that's not scared to, you know, really show that he's really, really about, you know, winning for his team. I think Brad Williams definitely fits that criteria. And then they re-signed a guy in Dwight Powell, who I'm not really high on. They gave him a pretty big deal. But I do think Dwight Powell, you know, for the time being is a good center. Do I hope that, you know, they can package these guys in a couple draft picks for maybe a guy like Clint Capella? Maybe. I do think it's been rumored he's been linked to Dallas. And I do think that maybe a deal like that could get done. I do think, though, Dwight Powell is really good, you know, for the time being a center that can just hold it down. Next, they signed Seth Curry to their biannual exception. Now, I think this is a tremendous signing. He's been back and forth 
from Dallas to other teams. He's been a journeyman in the NBA, but nevertheless, Seth Curry can get the job done. He's an efficient three-point shooter. He's good off the dribble, surprisingly as well. A lot of people just see the name Curry and think he's just a shooter and he's not going to do anything else, but he really is more like his brother than he is less like him. He can shoot off the dribble. He has this scoring nature to him that is really, really good. And then they also signed Dante Exum, who was a previous draft pick back in 2014-2015 era. He was really, really high coming to the Jazz, but he just didn't really pan out. His three-point shot really didn't do good. But he did a lot of the little things. He played defense. He had a lot of assists. He rebounded really well just because of how tall he is at that point guard spot. Went overseas, and just this past season overseas, he shot 40% from three. So if he could translate to even 36 37% from three. Dante Exum is a really, really nice piece for Dallas. They got him on a multi-year cheap deal. I think that's really good buy low. I think what Dallas did, they just bought low on a bunch of guys, guys that people tend to overlook, and they're going to see if it really works with them. People underlook Seth Curry. People underlook Grant Williams, Dwight Powell, Dante, Richwan Holmes. And if they all pan out really good, I think Dallas can really make some noise in the West. Now, obviously, we can't talk about Dallas, and we can't talk about you know, the team without including Luke and Kyrie. I do expect both of them to be all-stars this year again. I do think they'll both average over 27 a game. I think Luka will be in MVP conversations finally. He tends to start up the year pretty slow, which is the reason why, you know, we always pick him to be the next MVP, but he starts off slow or his team success is not all the way there. So I do think eventually this is the year where he takes that leap only because the roster around him is probably some of the most balanced I've seen around him in a really, really long time. I do think Kyrie signed that new deal. He's going to be as committed as he's ever been to a team. I think he will be averaging 27 efficiently as well. Him and Luka carrying the offense. I think that's inevitable. Now, let's get to these rotations. So, as obviously, the two starting guards will be Luka and Kyrie. Small. Actually, I'm going to go against what ESPN has here. ESPN has Tim Hardaway Jr. I have Josh Green starting. I think Josh Green, he's playing in FIBA, playing for Australia, a team that we also got to keep an eye on. We'll be talking about FIBA later. Josh Green is just a player that plays defense. He plays hard. He's a really good shooter. I think he's destined to be that three for them. I think he can guard the opposing team's best player on certain nights. I think he shoots really high volume for three. He's young. He's athletic. I think he slides in perfectly to that three spot. Grant Williams, they just paid him a ton of money. I think he definitely has to be the starting four for them. And then I'll just give Dwight Powell that starting role. Although I do think Derek Lively in training camp can definitely win him, you know, that role. I do think I'm really high on Derek Lively. So I really do think, and especially because of how weak Dwight Powell and Richwan Holmes is as a center rotation, I do think Derek Lively can get heavy minutes day one just because of the defense he already provides. He led all of college in blocks per game. He's a really, really good defender. I think they need a backbone when they have Luka and Kyrie as their, you know, backcourt defenders. None of them are really, really good defenders. So having a guy like Derek Lively that can protect the rim, uh, way taller than Dwight Powell and Rachon Holmes, I think it's a really, really smart move to start. Derek Lively eventually. Now their backups, I'm actually really, really liking them. As I mentioned, that's the reason I think Luka will be in MVP conversations, only because of team success now. You have Jaden Hardy, who had a tremendous rookie campaign, was drafted in the second round, a guy that was projected to be number one, went to G League Ignite, had, didn't really have a good you know, start to his career there, but he picked it up as the time went on, and he did really, really good. He didn't look back. He looked really comfortable to be in the NBA, which that's the case for most guys that fall into the second round. You know, Sometimes college and G League just isn't for them, but once they get into the league, it just translates a lot more smoother, and it looks a lot more cleaner. Dante Exum, really, really good. I think he's a third-string backup point guard. But I got Jaden Hardy starting with Seth Curry as the backup two. I got Tim Hardaway as the backup three. Maxi Kleba, 
over Olivia Maxence Prosper at the four. Although I do think I'm just calling OMP. OMP will be able to, you know, just start over or take that second unit over Maxi Kleber. I do think Maxi Kleber can be that, you know, hybrid big that they have from four to five, switching in between, not playing heavy minutes. But I just like uh, OMP's um, switchability on defense. And maybe if he can just shoot around 34, 35% from three, Maxi Kleber will probably shoot around 38 39% from three on lower volume. But if Prosper can just be a guy that defends one through four, runs the floor, I think he's a really, really good fit. Especially because that second unit, they have guys like Hardy, Seth, and Tim Hardaway Jr., all guys who can shoot above 36% from three. So maybe his shooting is not something that's really, really needed. But yeah, I really like him right there as the backup four. And then as the backup five, I will have, you know, either one of Derek Lively, Dwight Powell, or, you know, Richwan Holmes. It's just... Whoever isn't the starting center, I think because of how weak or we don't know how good they'll be, I think Richwan and Dwight will be fighting for those backup center minutes. He may be even Derek Lively if he's not starting day one. Just guys that we don't really know. That center position is really, really weak. They've been linked to Clint Capella from the Atlanta Hawks. I think that that's a real possible trade that can happen for them. I think they have the pieces. I think they have a deep enough roster to maybe sacrifice a few players or two. When I talk about sacrificing players, I think Maxi Kleba is a guy that could be leaving. I think JaVel McGee is a guy that's definitely been leaving. We've heard nothing but rumors of him leaving Dallas. He's the fourth string center. His career is kind of coming to an end. JaVel McGee, though, on any other roster could be somewhat useful, and I think he'll definitely be useful for any other team. As I just mentioned, I think he could be used as a salary filler and then sign with the team for a veteran minimum and contribute. Um, right away, 10, 15 minutes a night. Travell McGee, definitely a good role in that. But if they can get a solidified starting center, which is also the reason why I don't really like doing these team reviews so early into the season, before the season starts, only because, you know, so much can change between now and the start of October. We don't know who's going to get traded. We're still waiting on Dame, Harden, Pascal, rumor just came out. We're still waiting on those guys to be traded. And then maybe guys get bought out, guys get dropped, and guys that we didn't think will be in free agency end up being in free agency. Now, the reason why I say that with Dallas is because, yes, they're in trade rumors, but they also did a trade with the San Antonio Spurs, getting rid of Reggie Bullock's contract for essentially nothing. That opened up a ton of cap space for them, and that opened up the mid-level exception for them, the reason why they were able to sign and trade for Grant Williams. That mid-level exception is something that they used to try to sign Matisse Thiable, who I think would have been a tremendous get for Dallas. Immediately slide into that three-role, immediately be their position of a tech defender. I really would have liked them to be on that roster, but Portland had to be a buzzkill, match the offer, so he's staying over there in Portland. But I do think, you know, there's guys that could be dropped in trades that we just don't know of, can automatically eat up that $10 million. They have their own free agent in Christian Wood, who they've said they're not going to bring him back, nor I don't think they should bring him back, only because they got younger, they got guys that play defense, and Christian Wood is not someone that they really need. They need guys that play both ends of the floor. Christian Wood is pretty one-dimensional. Although his you know, stats while he was a starter are really, really good, I do think that he's not coming back to this roster. A guy that I think that could maybe eat up that salary cap is maybe Kelly Oubre Jr., a guy that just came off averaging 20 points per game. Maybe if you sell him on a role of being a backup or maybe even a starting small forward for a really good Western Conference team, just play defense, score efficiently. I think that can be really, really good for Dallas. A guy that I think they should also consider is P.J. Washington. Really, really good. He's coming off a career year in Charlotte, but Charlotte 
he's been linked to many teams like Cleveland and et cetera, et cetera. And I think Charlotte wants to bring him back on the qualifying offer only to have flexibility for next year's free agency. They want to pair LaMelo with someone else. And I just think that, you know, getting a trade done with Charlotte for PJ will be pretty tough. Um, I think PJ is honestly probably even holding out for more than the mid-level exception. Do I think there's something else out there than the mid-level exception? Probably not. I don't think so. I think the money dried up really, really quickly in free agency. And those guys like Wood, PJ, Kelly, Oubre, just guys that we thought were going to be in the league. TJ Warren is still out there. You know, Hamadou Diallo, Terrence Davis, guys that have been in the league for a minute, really good scorers. They just aren't really getting their money just because money's dried up. Teams are scared to use money just because of the new CBA. So it's going to get really tough. But I do think Dallas makes another signing here or two just to solidify the roster. I think they make a trade before the season happens. But nevertheless, they finished 38 and 44, 11th last year in the Western Conference. I think their ceiling, which is their absolute best, I think they're a fifth seed. I think they can realistically be out of the plan, be a fifth seed. Luca and Kyrie, assuming everyone is healthy, assuming the guys that they brought in, that they bought low on, pan out. If Jaden Hardy, Seth Curry proved to be a tremendous shooters, Josh Green takes that leap. Grant Williams shows that he's a full-time starter. Derek Lively just shows that he's an all-defensive type of player in his rookie year, which is not unheard of because we just saw a guy like Walker Kessler just do that this past season. So rookies can have an impact on defense. I think Derek Lively can right up be there with Walker Kessler in that category. I do think that it's a very real possibility that Dallas could be the fifth seed. I think they could even be as high as maybe even the third or fourth seed if everything pans out correctly. They get the, the right pieces. Maybe they trade for a guy like Clint Capella. They sign a guy like Kelly Uber, and then this team just becomes even more deep than I thought they were already. Their floor for them, I think, is playing. I think they do make the play-in this year. There's no reason why they shouldn't. Um, even if the pieces don't develop as I'm saying. I hope they do. If Seth Curry has a bad year, Dwight Powell regresses more. Richmond Holmes doesn't show that he is Derek Lively. If all that fails, they still have Luka and Kyrie, who I think at the very minimum will average 23 points per game. Luka will be a triple-double threat. And this is all just going wrong for them. I still think they're at least the 10th seed. There's no way they fall out of that. If they do, it's going to be really, really, you know, conversations will be had the next summer. Is Luka going to stay in Dallas? Is Kyrie going to ask for his millionth trade request from Dallas? You know, because at that point, you have a generational talent in Luka. You have a generational talent in Kyrie. And the fact that you're not making the play you're not making playoffs and you're not making any noise. Yeah, that looks really bad on management. But I think they did tremendous this offseason. Turned one draft pick, three rotational players. They bought low, got guys like Seth Curry. I'm really intrigued with this Dante Exum signing. If he can really pan out and be this defensive enforcer and shoot 40% from three, tremendous, tremendous signing for Dallas. Non-guaranteed deal. Really, really good job from Dallas to pick him up from overseas. But yeah, man, that's kind of been my team preview into the Dallas Mavericks. I hope you guys enjoyed. But let's get into the NBA news and rumors. You know, rumors have been kind of circulating now since the past episode that we did last Thursday. Team FIBA USA just did their exhibition game versus Puerto Rico. And they did really, really good. I saw the game. And... I have a ton to say. A lot of people tend to question, you know, who's going to be the scorer on this team? 
Anthony Edwards just looks like a guy that's going to take over whenever he wants. He had 11 points in that third quarter. He was really passive that first quarter. Didn't really know how to fit in with everyone. Kind of felt like an all-star game feel from him. But once he kind of just realized that it's his for the taking, he scored a quick 11 points and the game just opened up. They have tremendous people coming off the bench. Jaron Jackson Jr. with these FIBA rules is probably going to be one of the best players in the tournament. Just the blocking shots. Yes, he got into a bit of foul trouble, but that's normal. Um, he's not really used to the rules like that but once he gets accustomed to them tremendous shot blocker at the rim past defensive player of the year how did people think that they were going to be this bad they have guys like Brandon Ingram who was you know not really scoring but there were little glimpses of him being aggressive and I think if he and Anthony Edwards can become 1A and 1B on that roster this guy's the limit for them Cal Bridges really really good showing he played almost the most minutes on the night but he was playing defense yes people tend to overreact with guys like you know, their point guard from Puerto Rico, Trenman Watford, I want to say, uh, played for the Celtics for a little bit. He was cooking McCall Bridges, but I mean, everyone is a beast in, you know, national ba- national basketball only because, you know, these guys are the number one option. They're more comfortable. Their teammates trust them. You can't think of this player as like a bench warmer because in another setting, he is the number one guy. These guys are in the NBA for a reason. He was hitting some tough shots some tough fadeaways, but you know, Team USA came in with reinforcements. Austin Reeves, nine points in the first half. Really, really good. He's automatically a fan favorite. Everyone loves him. Laker fans were out there showing their support for him. And you can see just the reaction on NBA Twitter. People were not happy with the performance that he was putting on, mainly because, you know, if you're successful, you're going to have haters. And I'm sorry, but that's the real truth. And I think Austin Reeves is successful. Nine points is really, really good. When he came in, he came in to score. He was hitting step-back mid-range jumpers, three-pointers, driving to the rim athletically, getting his teammates involved. A little sloppy in the second half from him, but his defense was, uh, you know, a really strong point for him in that second half. He was staying in front of his guy, moving his feet laterally, something that you don't really see nowadays from NBA players. But not just Austin Reeves. Austin Anthony Edwards was playing tremendous defense, got a block on that guy that was scoring a bunch for Puerto Rico. And then Macau Bridge is obviously a, a really good bench piece, really good defender for them. Tyrese Halliburton had 12 assists, and this is exactly what I envisioned for Tyrese. I kind of wanted him to be the starter just because, you know, I do think that he's going to get everyone involved a lot quicker. But to finish the game with 12 assists coming off the bench and seven points, really, really good for Tyrese. That's exactly the envisionment I had for him. Being that, you know, Chris Paul role for this team, setting everyone up, getting everyone the ball. Bobby Portis is someone that really surprised me. There was some moments in the third and the fourth when the game was starting to separate. And he was just kind of taking over with his mid-ranges. He was shooting fadeaways, face-ups. He was just shooting the ball. That was going in at an effective rate. He was playing decent defense. A guy that also really surprised me was Paolo Bancaro, guy that should have been on the Team Italy roster. Ended up being on Team USA, but he did really, really good for his movement. He was blocking shots. He was giving that extra effort. And I do think Steve Kerr did say that he's going to be playing a lot of five in the tournament. And I think it's valid. He has the body of a five. He, you know, he has a good stroke from the outside. He plays bully ball. I really do like his game. And I think it's going to open his game up to a lot of people that maybe didn't tune into a lot of magic games. He won rookie of the year for a reason, people. He was inconsiderate for even all-star game appearances in rookie year. Someone Something that we haven't seen since Blake Griffin. So he he's a hooper for real. And I think that people are going to open their eyes up to him. But I, I really like the roster, man. I think a lot of people are overhating it just because they don't have the A1 names like Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry. But this is FIBA we're talking about. And then people still ended up hating on it when it's an exhibition game. Oh, well, they're supposed to be Puerto Rico. 
what else do you want them to prove? They took care of their business. They won their game by a lot of points. They won it in convincingly fashion. They were close in the first half. They flipped the switch, played defense. They ran. It was entertaining. I don't think you can ask for much else from this Team USA roster. Now, they do play Luka this Saturday or Sunday. That's going to be a game that's going to be really, really interesting. How do they defend a guy of Luka's caliber, who even in FIBA is just triple-double after triple-double, efficient. Luka has said that, you know, FIBA is a lot harder, but he still, I mean, performs at the level he performs at. We got to see how Team USA handles a guy like that in their exhibition matchup. Really, really looking forward to see that. But, yeah, this is my take so far on FIBA. We'll talk more as, you know, games progress and stuff like that. News comes out, but... Yeah, really, really like what I'm seeing so far. On the NBA front, you know, Sham Sharania just released an article talking about Pascal, Dame, and Harden. On the Harden and Lillard front, there's not really much else. He did mention on Lillard, though, how Miami does have, you know, a package already centered around Tyler Hero going to a third team, Kyle Lowry going to Portland, salary fillers going everywhere, and then draft capital and second-round pick swaps to Portland. Miami is trying all their stomps to try to land Lillard. I just think Portland is, at this point, just being extremely hardball, and they're just trying to get whatever they can. I think there's a real chance that these talks will stall until October, just because of how you know narrow-minded Portland is. I've said my opinion on how Portland, I think, is really framing themselves to be a really bad franchise management-wise, just because of how they're treating their star player. Yes, I'm all for for, you know, equal teams having control, players having control. But I feel like Portland is trying to regain their control to the point where they've been telling NBA media, find Lillard, interview his manager. They're just coming off super aggressive. And I personally don't really mess with that. But yeah, hopefully this all gets resolved. And I do hope Dame ends up going to Miami, his preferred destination. Next up, we got Pascal Siakam, who's actually the only one we really got a rumor for. Apparently, the Atlanta Hawks, the team that I had reported, you know, they had interest in Pascal Siakam, did end up making a trade offer centered around DeAndre Hunter, AJ Griffin, and draft capital headed to Toronto for Pascal Siakam. I think this is a lot, but not too much. I do think DeAndre Hunter is a really solid 3 and D wing. I think he can easily average over 20, 16 to 20 points per game. He's done that before, but health has been a concern. I think if Toronto can get him back, I think he's for sure has to be in that package. Uh, AJ Griffin is a young and coming, you know, he was an all rookie guy. He had flashes where he should have been a starting small forward for Atlanta. He's a really good three point shooter. He's a really good person. Overall, I think those are two solid pieces to get for an expiring contract in Siakam. I do think Toronto have to look at themselves in the mirror and kind of ask themselves, do we think we can contend? Do we think we can win a playoff series? And I think their honest answer for both is no, they can't. They can't win a playoff series and they can't make the playoffs. I think they're stuck in mediocrity, as I've mentioned for a million times. Training a guy like Pascal at the value that he's at right now can only be the right move. I think the move also included draft capital, which is something that, you know, not a lot of teams thought that they would be getting for Pascal, but the fact that they're getting an established starter a really promising young role player and draft capital for an expiring contract. That's as much as you can ask for, for a team. I think talks will be revisited. I think we're not hearing the full end of it. I think maybe Toronto has to throw in something extra, which is why they declined. Cause I find it hard to believe that Toronto just declines that when it's such a good offer, especially with Masai Ujiri. Ever since he's done that Kawhi Leonard trade, he only does deals that he feels that he's the 
obvious winner and i feel like this is a move where he is the obvious winner um i just think pride's getting in the way at this point and not wanting to trade pascal i also think pascal not wanting to get traded from toronto i've talked about this before is probably the dumbest thing he can do in his career yes we're all about loyalty in the nba and we want teams to you know stay with their franchise as long as they can but when you're dragging it out to the point where you're going to be mediocre and you're just going to get a couple all-stars and that's it when you can go compete with trey young Dejounte, and you know all the pieces they have over there you three can realistically be a really, really good team, but you never know. It's always up to the GMs to make these type of moves and for these players to ask and be in, you know, agreement with the organization. But yeah, that's kind of all I have for NBA news and rumors for you guys. We talked some FIBA, we talked some NBA, we talked the Dallas Mavericks, you know, my season preview for them. Anyway, though, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for giving us a listen. Remember, when you're listening to us, you can be doing anything just as long as you know got the first pick podcast listening, ready to go. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, X, and TikTok now. TikTok will be the underscore first pick pod. Instagram will be the underscore first pick pod and Twitter will be capital TF first pick pod. Now, if you can't find any of them, remember to head over to the Instagram because that's probably where we're the most active. Click the link in the bio. It should give you links to every single social media platform that we have. TikTok, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Remember to subscribe on YouTube for the audio versions of this podcast. Share them with a friend. I'd really, really appreciate that. And give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's the way that we grow. Share it with a friend. Word of mouth for now, but eventually we'll grow this to the to the way that I envision it, hopefully. But yes, thank you guys so much. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for giving me a listen. Peace.